0: Jeremiah 29.11, a verse that's uh, very familiar to people who are Bible readers for any length of time. The Lord says to Israel, I know the the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans for your welfare and not for harm, to give you a future with hope. The Lord here is expressing plans that He's got for Israel. These aren't foregone conclusions, I don't believe. Sometimes people say, well, the Lord's got a plan, and that means that everything that happens is part of that plan. The interesting thing about this verse is that a number of the things that the Lord planned for Israel didn't come to pass. The plan is God's intention. It's His will in heaven for you, us individually, for the church as a whole, for humanity as a whole, here it was for Israel as a whole. But what it takes for His will to be applied on earth as it is in heaven is wills that go along with that. God's got a plan for you, and it's 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 to give you a future full of hope, not to harm you, but to bless you, and a lot of other things. Have you ever seen that uh, that show that's out there? It's, a, it's one of the funniest shows on TV with uh, Drew Carey. Uh, whose line is it, anyways, or something like that? Is it whose? I, I I thought it was. What's my line? But that was one that was about 20 years ago. I'm dating myself. Whose line is it, anyways? Is that it? It's a great show. you got these four comedians that go up on stage and, and Drew Carey gives them assignments. He gives them a script. He gives them a role. And they have to just sort of improvise on the spot that role. And he sets them up in a lot of stupid situations and tells them they've got to do it as a country western song or as a rap or something like that. You've seen the show? It is hilarious. You know, it's, uh, these people are geniuses when it comes to just you know, making stuff up. I don't know how they do that. If any of you have ever seen comedy sports, it's the same sort of thing. Uh, you, you get a line... You get a script, you didn't choose it, it was given to you, and you just have to now live in that script and and go along with it. Well, it seems to me that that is kind of a good metaphor for life. Uh, We're all born wondering what our line is. What's our line? What's our role? uh, what, What is my job description? What is my identity description? We're born asking that question, and the script that we're given, the story that we're given that we're supposed to live in, will greatly influence, in fact, it will determine the quality of your life, uh, the passion of your life, the extent to which what God says about you is true gets manifested. See, we've been talking about passion the last several weeks, maybe months, and uh, uh, as a way of leading into this series that we're going to be getting into after Easter. How do you live in passion, the passion the Lord wants us to live in? Living on the wild side for Jesus and and, uh, the the, uh, fullness of life that the Lord came to give us. Last week we talked about funks, getting into funks and things that are, um, uh, you know, those, those periods of time where you just run out of gas, you run out of steam, you get into all sorts of screwy stuff. And we talked about how to ride that out and how to change that around. What I'm talking about this morning is even more fundamental than that. I'm not talking about the, the screwed up stuff that gets us into a funk for a, for a day or for a week or for a month or for a year. I want to talk about structural things between our ears. The, the thought processes that we have. The beliefs that we have. The stories that we tell ourselves that systematically all our life, if we're not careful about it, will undermine the truth, the joy, the power, the glory that God died that you might live in. See, stories that we have, a script that we inherit. It's very much like, what's my line? You're born asking the question, and whatever script you get is the one you tend to live in. And to the extent that that script is not in line with the script that God has for you, the plan that God has for you, it systematically sucks life out of you. It causes you to live far beneath the level of life, the fullness of life, the vibrancy of life that that, that the Lord wants you to walk in. So I want to talk about how to get a hold of that. See, God's got a plan. Now, we all it's unique to every one of us in one sense because we all have unique personalities and perspectives and thought processes and, and ways of doing life. But the general plan is something like this. Here's, the, here's the, the main story, the main script of humanity. And all of us, this is true for all of us, though we, we're going we're gonna to carry it out in our own unique ways. But the story is that the triune God, who is life itself, who is love itself, who is joy itself, wants to express Himself to us. He expresses the fullness of love that He is to us. We see that on the cross. He wants to express the fullness of love that He is in us by how we relate to ourselves so that our own way of relating would reflect God's way of relating. And then He wants to reflect His glory through us by the way we relate to other people. God to us, God in us, God through us. And in doing that, we would form a a triune community. We'd have our own triune self-relationship. And we would in our own way reflect. We'd mirror back to God the triune glory that that, that He is. That's the plan for the whole creation. God to express who He is in all of His life and in all of His love, by the way He he relates to us, by the way He transforms us on the inside, and by the way He transforms our relationships to one another. That's the big story. Now, God is a social God. He always works through mediaries. He doesn't do things unilaterally. So in the kingdom of God, in God's ideal, this big plan, this this glorious, uh, really unfathomably rich plan that God has, would have been mediated to us through others, This was part of our moral responsibility. Every child in the kingdom of God would be born being held in a mother or a father's arms and would be hearing, both from the parents and from siblings and from friends and from society, perpetually hearing that truth about them, applied individually. The little baby in the arms would be hearing, You are, from the moment of birth on, in a million different ways, said and done this message. You are so precious. Oh, you are unbelievably precious. And God has got an outstanding, outstanding plan for you. Oh, you are so important to what God wants to do in this world. And you are going to reflect God in a unique way. You're going to mirror the image of God in a unique and precious way. And you're going to be courageous, and you're going to be fearless, and you're going to be adventuresome, and you're going to be bold, and you're going to be filled with the Spirit. And you are just going to be a walking, talking manifestation of the glory of God and all of His life flowing through you. And you are going to be loved every minute of your life, and you're never going to be alone. He'll never leave you or forsake you. I'll never leave you or forsake sake you, and on and on and on. Truths that, that, that uh, uh, are mediated, that reflect God's overall story apply to every one of our lives individually. And that would be the script. We're born asking, what's my line? Here's your line. You're, 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 you're going to be an important, mighty warrior for God. You're going to be a receptacle of God's glory and presence and love. And you're just going to be filled with love towards other people and manifesting the truth of who God is through you. That's your line. That's your role. That's your script. Now, you're going to do it in individual ways, depending on your occupation and depending on all those other kind of things, but that's what you're going to do. And what a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful world it would be if that was true. Wouldn't it? And someday it will be true. But right now, as we all know, that's not the story that we all get. In fact, none of us get that story perfectly. We maybe have great parents and great friends, but you can't be born in a fallen world and not get, to some degree, a false script. And you live in that script. You live in that storyline. And to some degree, it sucks the life out of you. The storyline that we're given in one way or another. Because of the fall in our primordial past, you read about it in Genesis chapter three. The story that God has for us, where, where our story gets woven in with His story, where, where the stories are, are are intimately intertwined with one another, like a marriage cu- couple, a married couple. Their stories are no longer separate. Their story involves one another. Well, that's how God wants His story to be with us, and our story to be with Him. Uh, we're, we're, we're going into eternity together. But instead of that, you read in Genesis 3 that the story gets all jaded, it gets perverted, twisted upside down. And so now the story we find in Genesis 3 becomes a story of not trusting God. It's a, the story of our lives is a story of running away from God. The story of our lives becomes a story where now we're going to try to get life on our own. We're going to try to reach out to a tree and, and, and live on our own. The story of, of, of our life is to some degree a story of abandonment because we're not going to the Lord for comfort and for life and sustenance. The story of our life becomes a, a story of living off the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and giving ourselves points when we do good and, and punishing ourselves when we do evil and extending it to other people. The story of our life becomes a story of being in servitude to the to the very things we were supposed to rule. The story of humanity, and all of us have this story to some degree, is a story of a deposed king and a deposed queen who is supposed to reign but is now, in fact, embodied to the very things we were supposed to rule over. That becomes our story, The story that we receive. And the worth and the significance and, and the glory that, that, that God's story had for us gets squashed to the degree that we live in that story, the fallen story, the lying story, the lying story. We live in it. Now we get it in a million different ways, but when we get it, it stays. It becomes part of our, auto, uh, our autopilot in our brain. And, and uh, we default to that, to that setting. I met a young lady, I'll call her Marla, And whenever I use illustrations, unless I have the person's permission, I always change the name or some of the circumstances because they might be listening on the radio or they might be in the congregation here or whatever. So just know that. But I'll call her Marla. And uh, Marla is... She came to the church, this church that I was assistant pastor at when I was first starting in the ministry out east. And she became a Christian, a new believer, and it was a wonderful thing. And she'd come to church all the time with her little baby. And uh, we noticed uh, on occasion she'd come with some weird bruises and she always, she always had explanations for how she got these bruises. One time she came with some of her teeth missing and this time we didn't buy the story that she fell down the stairs. And we, we started getting involved in her life and it turns out she was in an abusive relationship. She was living with a man that she'd been living with before she became a believer and this man was abusive. So we did an intervention we got her out of that home and we got her into a shelter and, and her and her baby taken care of and... Um, Everything was going okay, but after a month or so, she moved back with the guy. And she said, oh, but he said he loved me. He said he's sorry. He said he'll never do it again, and, and he really does care about me. He's really a good guy. You've got to believe this. So that goes on for about another month, and she starts showing up with bruises again. So we do an intervention. She moves in with a couple. She moved in with, with my wife and I for a while, uh, and then the guy would call and repent and all this stuff, and she moved back with the guy. And no matter how much we told her, don't you see what's going on here? She kept on going back to that. Now it turns out that she had five previous relationships, pre- previous relationships, and all of them were abusive. In fact, it turns out she's never had a healthy relationship in her in her life. And the explanation for this isn't hard to find. You look into her past and her dad was abusive towards her. He used to beat the tar out of her. She had brothers who used to beat the tar out of her. This woman's only known being beaten up. You could title the the, the script that she's living in good for a beating. that, that that's her that's her, her scripted identity. And so even if she has information that she deserves better, and she gets information that she ought to have to live that way, she defaults back to it. Like Cinderella, when the clock strikes 12, all of a sudden she's not a pretty princess. She's got to run back and, and, and serve her three ugly stepsisters. And though so she needs this sort of exterior thing to impress the prince. It's our default setting. It's what we automatically go to. It's the script we live in, the story that we inherited from somebody else. And we get the script a million different ways. When I was preparing this message, I, I had a memory... Uh, that I have I, I haven't thought of for a long time, and it's one I'm not proud of at all. But I want to share it because it, it, I, I guess it illustrates, if nothing else, how we how we get some of the scripts we have. It also shows God's the, the glorious thing about God's mercy is that most sin involves hurting other people some way or other, and and a lot of it you can't ever take back. You see, and and, and this shows the miracle of God's grace that extends forgiveness even though the consequences of that go on. So we just, some some eggs you can't re-scramble. Well, here's the way I participated in one person's life getting scrambled up, I'm sure. There's a girl on the block that I was uh, living in, and uh, she used to, and I don't know what her story was, what script was going on in her head that led her to do this, but she'd take off her clothes for the boys if we asked her, and if we'd give her a kiss. That's all she asked, and uh, and, and she would do that. Now, this was in third and fourth and fifth grade. Um, that, that stopped, but later on in 7th and 8th grade, we rode the bus together to junior high school. And some of us boys turned on her. We started a chant. In fact, I recall I was the one who came up with a chant. And the chant went something like this. Carol's fat. We all know that. But when she strips, all there is is fat. She thinks she's keen trying to make the scene, but when she's bare, there's nothing there. And we, we would scream out this, this chant on this bus as this poor girl. I don't know why the bus driver didn't stop us. It's a crime that he didn't. But day after day, we'd give that chant. And this girl would just sit there. It kills me to think about what kind of script is being encoded in her mind. You see, with all of this. Here's this this precious, beautiful child of God whose script should have been a lovely princess. Uh, adorable child daughter of the Most High God. But instead, what she's getting is Carol's fat. We all know that, but when she strips all there is is fat, she thinks she's keen trying to make the scene, but when she's bare, there's nothing there. You might title the script that she's inheriting Mad, Fat, and, and, and Needing Male Affection. And as time went on, she, she became very promiscuous, but I think deep down there's a hatred towards men in this whole thing. I think a lot of women who become promiscuous, prostitutes, actually hate The stuff they're doing and hate the men they're engaged with, but there's a script they're living in. A story. It's like it almost feels right because that's what their mind, what their script, what their story is telling them ought to be. We get it in a lot of different ways and in a lot of different forms. Amber is a young lady who who uh, just wants Dad to notice her, and she draws really good pictures, but Dad's not very interested in that. What Dad is interested in is how good her brothers can play football and how good they can play catch, and he's always playing catch with them and always playing football with them and always going to their games, but when she wins an art contest, it doesn't get any attention at all, and so she's longing for a father's affection. You might title the script that she's getting here, Irrelevant but, but, but uh, Trying Hard. And so she goes through life, who knows how this script gets played out, maybe doing irrelevancy, thinking that she is irrelevant, or trying to be relevant to some guy, who knows, but it's a script that you inherit from somebody else, and you live in it. Steve's young man, wanting to press father, helping him out in the garage, fixing something or other in 5th or 6th grade or something like that, and the father says, hand me a wrench, and he doesn't know what a wrench is, but, but uh, he gives him a screwdriver. And the father gets mad, and who knows what was going on in the father's mind at the time, but he says, Steve, you're as useless as tits on a ball. And the father just, he, he just blasted with that, not thinking about it, but it becomes part of his script. Whoa, I don't even know what that means, but I'm, I must be very useless. You see, and you internalize it. It becomes part of the story, part of the talk that's going on in your head. We inherit the scripts from all around. Some of the scripts aren't even bad-looking, damaging-looking. Uh, Gretchen, a young lady who, who uh, th- this is goody-two-shoes. She She's always good when her brothers are bad. They're always getting spanked but not her. In fact, she's the one who tells on her brothers. And when she goes to school, she impresses the teacher, gives the apple, gets the eighth. She's just always wonderful, a people-pleaser to the core. And you might think that's not a bad script to have, but the damaging thing is this. She'll go through her entire life, Gretchen will go through her entire life never knowing what it is to be loved for free. Because she's too busy pleasing people to get it. You see, a million different scripts that come her way, we live in them. My script might have been titled something like like a, a Bad, Dumb, and All Alone. I always thought I was dumb because I stuttered all the time, and, and the kids thought I was dumb, and the teachers thought I was dumb. I knew the answers, but I couldn't say them because I stuttered when I was put on the spot. And so I, just, I lived in that script. Okay, I'm a dumb kid, and I'm a bad kid. That script goes way back. Grandmother, on, as I've shared a number of times, grandmother on Christmas buying presents for everybody, but Greggy doesn't get a present because he's a bad boy. Scripted. What's my line? Well, here's your line. You're dumb and you're really bad. You're always acting out. And nobody who's in charge of you really likes you very much. You're always in trouble. And all alone, living in a world where you had some abuse going on and and no one's there to protect you, you you come to the conclusion that you're on your own here and you develop your own little fantasy world where you can be Elvis Presley and Superboy at the same time and you live in that but you feel all alone. You don't trust people. The world's a scary place. No one's going to protect you. The best you can do is develop a sort of stoic, stoic anesthesia where you just don't feel pain anymore. Dumb, bad, and all alone. And those are the conclusions you draw and it gets installed in the autopilot of the mind and you live in that. And see, as long as you live in that story, to whatever degree you live in that story, the story that God has for you with all of its glory, with all of its beauty, with all of its splendor, is not going to be manifested. It's real about you. It's there. But your story, your story is like a big cork in, the, in, 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 in a gusher. You just can't, won't let it out. You keep living in the story you inherited from the world rather than the story that you inherit from God through the person of Jesus Christ. But saints of God, what I want to tell you here this morning is this. While in God's perfect plan, uh, it, we, we would have received the true story from our birth up and society would reinforce it and every commercial would reinforce it and we'd never get anything but that. So it would be easy and it would be totally natural to live in the story that God has for us. Well, that would have been wonderful, that didn't happen. But it doesn't matter at this moment right now because you're in a position where now you in Christ Jesus can choose the story you're going to live in. God made us spirit beings who have control over this organic computer that's between our ears. That's why the Bible tells us to take every thought captive to Jesus Christ. You're able to do that. It tells us to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. We're able to do that. You can choose the script that you're going to live in. You in Christ Jesus, tell me if I'm wrong here, you don't need to be anyone's footnote. You don't need to be carrying out someone else's program for your life. You don't need to be giving them the authority to be Lord of your life by telling you who you are and what you're supposed to do and what you're supposed to feel. You don't need to be living out someone else's script. You need to be living out God's script. But that means making a decision to live in the script that God has for you, the title that God has for you, not in the script that you inherited from mom or dad or grandmother or the bad boys on the bus. Living in God's script. The truth of what He says for you. The, the, the title of Steve's script should not be you know, useless as tits on a bull and never going to amount to much. The, the title ought to be. If you, if you make this transition, a, a precious Son of God and, and, and destined to be a mighty warrior. All right, totally different kind of a script. And the script, script that Amber lives in shouldn't be irrelevant but longing for some affection. Oh, the script ought to be something like the, the apple of God's eye and, and full of God's affection. And, and, the, and the script that Carol lives in shouldn't be mad, fat, and needing male affection. It ought to be beautiful, princess, spotless, bride of Jesus Christ, full of God's love and glory. See, a totally different kind of a script that we're talking about. In the script that I live in, it shouldn't be bad and dumb and, and, and uh, um, uh, what was my story? Bad, dumb, and all alone. No! You listen to my messages more than I do. <laughs> no, the story ought to be entitled something like, like uh, um, yeah, you inherited the mind of Christ. Uh, perfected in Christ and never alone. For He says, I will never leave you or forsake you. You're never alone. Even when you feel alone, you've got to know that you're not alone. What script are you going to live in? Who's going to define you? What story are you going to tell yourself? What story are you going to see as you run previews in your mind about who you are? You see, and as long as you're living in the old script, as long as you're living in the old script, it just suppresses, it squelches, it denies, it totally refutes the script that God gives you. Passion in life isn 't something you just turn on by willing it. On your mark it's that go? Be passionate. It doesn 't work that way. No, because see, your, your, your quality of life, your passion in life, is a function of your whole paradigm of life, your whole, the whole story you say about things. If you want to begin to walk in the fullness of what Jesus died for you to have, you 've got to change the paradigm. You 've got to change fundamentally the way that you see yourself. We need to take the old scripts. We need to take the old scripts, I don't care where you got them, I don't care how you got them, I don't care how jaded they are, I don't care how thick they are inside of you. Take those old scripts and we need to tear those manuscripts up, right? We need to destroy them, bury them, burn them, flush them down the toilet, bury them in the sea, warm boot that old computer and take on a new script. You see, the old script maybe said that you're always weak and fragile, but the new script says you're strong in Jesus Christ. Put off the old and put on the new. Ephesians chapter 4 verses 23 through 25 says put off the old self and put on the new self that's being transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind. Here's a new script for you to, 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 to live in. Here's a new movie for you to run. Here's a new audio tape for you to begin to install in yourself. Oh, the old self, the old, the old script said that, that you're never going to amount to much, but, but uh, oh man, the, the, the new script says that you are a conqueror. You're more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. The old, the old script said that you, you, you don't, you know, you, you can't do much of, of anything, but the new script says that with Christ all things are possible. The old script said that you're alone, but the new script says you're never alone. In fact, He lives with you and He lives in you. Put on that new script! The old script says that you're unlovable. This script says you're loved with an everlasting love. The old script says that you're condemned. The new script says that you are forgiven in Christ Jesus. Praise God. The old script says that you're weak and timid, but the new script says that he's given to you a spirit. Uh, he hasn't given you a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of self-control. Praise God. Oh, the, uh, the old script says that you're irrelevant, but the new script says that you're centrally relevant. God's got his eye on you. You're important to what God's plan is all about. You know, the old, the old script, full of all of those lies. Telling you that that you're forever going to be poor. But the new script says, you know what? I don't care what I earn. I'm destined for an eternal inheritance in Christ Jesus. I'm rich. You know, it's just put on a new script. Rip off that old one. Flush it down the toilet. It's time to, to get a hold of it and start living the script that God has for you. I really believe in the core of my being that the script that God has for your life is more beautiful we, we're so sold on mediocrity. But, but let your imagination soar here. The script that God has for you, and in Christ it is possible, is to be more full of love and more full of joy and more full of peace and more full of power and more full of wisdom than you could possibly imagine. I really believe it can be beautiful. Now you right now probably have in your mind, and some of us have some tape that right, right now is going, oh, this is he's getting fanatical, he's getting too weird. This is impractical. It applies maybe to other people, but not me. You should hear my past. You should hear what's going on me. You should hear my struggles. You don't know who I am. And all I have to say is, is this. Take that very thought there. What you have going on here is an autopiloted script that just got activated in your head, and it is a lie. It's a lie. It's for you. It's for you. It's for you. He died for you. You have an inheritance. You have a script that's for you. And it doesn't matter what's gone on in the past. It doesn't matter. He, he starts with where you're at right now. And He's able, He's smart, He's ingenious at this. Somehow taking even the crusty stuff, the negative, the terrible, the vile, the mean, the, the wounding stuff, and, and, and weaving it into a new beautiful thing. He's got a plan for you, and it starts right now. Maybe most of what went on in the past that was said to you and that you yourself did was antithetical to His plan. But it doesn't matter. He's an ingenious, infinitely intelligent God who starts where you're at right now and He says, okay, let's take all that anti-plan stuff and weave it into the plan. Work with Him and He makes something beautiful out of your life. Now, here's the thing. What I just gave you is information. And information never translates into Transformation. You can have all the information in the world that won't do you a bit of good. Most of of the, the scripts that we live in, we have information that says that they're wrong. Cinderella had good information that, in fact, she was quite attractive, and the princess really you know, had it for her. Uh, but, 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 but when push came to shove, she got scared and ran back. Her default setting was to become a, a servile uh, servant to her, her three stepsisters. Our default settings are strong, and information doesn't alone tr- uh, transform it. That's why in American Christianity, we've got more Bible information than any group of Christians in all of history. But I submit to you that we have probably the least amount of transformation. Because it's information itself, know-how cerebral stuff, doesn't confront the story. Marla knew that this was not good for her on some level, but the story's strong. Now, why is the story strong? I could get into this in depth here, but I don't have time. But here's, here's in a nutshell why the story's strong. Because the story, the story just doesn't give you information. You, no one, no one, you know, Marla didn't all of a sudden have some information says, oh, I think I'll go get beat up today. See, the, the, the stories that we have, we have them encoded in concrete memory stuff. Uh, they're there, they're, they're real to us. Uh, the voice in the garage that says you're useless. The, the, the taunting of the boys on the bus. Those are concrete memories. They're vivid. They're real. We believe them. We enter into them. And that's why they impact us so much. Concrete stuff in the head always impacts us. Information doesn't. So the information's got to be incarnated in a vision. Incarnated in a story, in a movie that you run in your mind. The Bible says this in Hebrews chapter 11. Faith is the substance. Hupostasis. Faith is the hypostasis of things hold for and the elencos, the evidence of things not seen. It's the substance of things hold for for this reason. When you really believe it, you see it. You, you, it's a substance to you. Faith is about getting a picture of the future that you hold for and you hold it as a substantial reality and you begin to act on it. Faith is, a, is, is ultimately that which you're willing to act on when acting counts. It's holding something as a substantial reality. You see it, you live in it, you breathe it, you picture it, you hear it. It's not just information. It's, it's, it's incarnated transformation in your mind. That's why to be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that's not just a matter of repeating information. It's a matter of seeing yourself differently, seeing God differently, and giving God's script more credibility to you than, than, than you have to yourself. Because you, what you have to yourself is the old script. You say, God, this is what is true, and I'm going to see it, I'm going to live in it, I'm going to think it, I'm going to move towards it. You know, I have a sheet out in the gathering area about who we are in Christ, our identity in Christ. And just list verses about who you are in Christ. And this is part of our inherited story. This is part of, of the script that we've inherited in Christ. But it won't do you any good if it stays just as information. Oh, I know that I'm a friend in the Lord. I'm a, I'm a temple of God and all these other things. No, you've got to move into it. The same way you moved into the old script, you put it on. it It became the glasses through which you saw the world. So also you need to begin to put this on, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I wonder, the Bible says this, they give a couple of examples. The Bible says you are the temple of God. You're the temple of God. And when Paul says the word temple, he's, he's a Jew, and so he's thinking of Solomon's temple. And you read about Solomon's temple, and it was decked out to the hill, and it was glorious, and the Shekinah glory came down on it, and it was so packed with God's presence that people couldn't stand in it. You know, and Now Paul says, you're that temple. You're that temple. Now here's the thing. That's good information, isn't it? But I wonder, run a movie now in your mind. What do you look like? How do you do life differently? Think about the past. Think about the future. What would it look like for you to really live that? What does it look like for Greg Boyd to get up in the morning and, and, and to really manifest that I'm a temple of God? I'm filled with the fullness of God. What do I look like? How do I do life differently when I'm manifesting the fullness of God? How do you relate to your enemies differently? How do, how do you relate to the people on your block? How do you relate to the people that you work with? How do you relate to your wife and your kids when you're manifesting the fullness of God? Do you really believe that? See, to believe it is to see it. It's to hold it as a substantial reality. Run the movie in your mind and, and, and see yourself being that. And maybe it doesn't conform to anything that you've seen in the past. So what? Let God be true and every man a liar. Put this one on. See it. Think it. Drink it. Live in it. Get that script. What's, what's your life look like when you really walk in, the, in manifesting? The, pretend. Pretend like this was true. Okay, that's just a way of saying imagine it. You're one in whom Christ's joy is filled. You're the peace and joy you filled with the peace and joy of God. That's already true about you. But what cork is keeping this gusher from overflowing? The cork is between your ears. It's the old script that grandpa gave you when he abused you. It's time to get rid of that script and start seeing yourself not as a victim of grandpa, but as, as, as a child that inherited the kingdom in Jesus Christ. And begin to run that movie with the same vividness you used to run the abuse movie. Run the movie. Run the, run the preview. See yourself in it. The Bible says that as a person thinks in their heart, so are they. How true that is. Everything we do on the outside is a manifestation of a movie we run on the inside. Run Jesus' movie in your mind. See yourself in this. Now, you'll hear a tape saying, No, get out of here. What are you doing? That's not true. And then you just say, Get thee behind me. I, you know, th- this is the vision I'm moving towards. This is what is true. Now, some people say, "Like, Well, you know, that's." this sounds like pop psychology. Like, who's that guy on Saturday Night Live? John Handy or John Candy or John Dandy or Jim Dandy or Handy Mandy? or I don't, I don't know who he is. You know, he's like, by golly, I'm good enough and I'm smart enough and people like me. And, and, and pop psychology is about trying to talk yourself into something you're not. Because for all you know, you know, you're not good enough and you're not smart enough and nobody likes you. you know, so you're going to try to talk yourself into it. I think I can, I think I can, I think I can. That's getting, there's a little bit of truth in that because as you think in your heart, so are you. and That's going to help you a little bit. But that's not what Christian transformation is about. We're not trying to talk ourselves into a, something we're not. We're trying to talk ourselves into something that we are. There's a world of difference here. Yeah, you are this. It's a matter of waking up to it. Dave Churchill over here was always taunting me from the, the floor. He's in my small group and I love the guy. But let's say he thinks he's a porcupine, you know? He just, he's just he got this in his head he's a porcupine, so he'll never hug you because he's afraid of picking you. And, and he just thinks, you know, he crawls around the ground and, and whatever. Now, if I want to help him, I'd say, Dave. You know what, you gotta you got get a grip here. You gotta start seeing yourself run this movie in your mind. See yourself walking on two legs. See yourself hugging people without any sort of prickers on you at all. See yourself talking. A porcupine can't talk. See yourself thinking. A porcupine can't think. You know, just, you gotta start seeing yourself as a human being. I'm not trying to give him some pop psychology pep talk. I'm trying to wake, wake him up to reality. Well, it's no different. It's no different for us. We, we are kings and princes in the kingdom of God filled with God's outrageous, incredible peace and power and love and glory. But we act like we're these vagabonds in and in 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 you know, wayfarers in the middle of the desert who've got nothing and own nothing. We're defined from the world and we take up scripts that aren't part of God. We just need to wake up to what is reality. Not the information about what is real. You already know that. But begin to move in it, see it, drink it, have faith in it, hold it as a substance. that it go over and over again in your mind. What does it look like for you to be the beautiful bride of Christ who ravishes the heart of God. Can you see God being ravished like the, 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 the guy in the Song of Solomon looking upon you saying, one look of your eyes ravishes my heart. Picture the Lord doing that. One over whom the Lord rejoices and sings and claps his hands. Can you get a picture? Substantial now. Don't get the information. But move in this, in this movie. Make this a holographic movie, a virtual reality movie. You're there. And you come to see the Lord, and the Lord's right before you, and you see Him concretely. And you hear Him say, man, do I love you. Whoopee! And he starts to jump, and He starts to clap His hands, and He starts to go like this. Why? Because He's so in love with you, and now He gets to spend eternity with you. you know, can you see that? Can you, can you taste that? And it is virtually impossible for the human heart to really see that and believe that, and not to begin to feel passionate. You know, if the script is saying that everybody you know, is disappointed in you, the script is saying no one really gets excited when you come into the room, if that's your script, well, then you'll feel appropriately. All your feelings are about what, what, what you see in the theater of your brain. This is what should be in the theater of our brain. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Have faith that what God says about you is true. Flush, get rid of, burn, annihilate the old script. And put on the new script. The new story. God wants the story of His life to be intimately involved in the story of your life. And the story of your life to be intimately involved in the story of His life, just like a married couple. Uh, uh, he, he wants to be about you, and He wants you to be about Him. The trouble is we often live in the old script, and we put on Jesus like a little footnote. Here's what I'm really about. And who knows where you got that. It could have been from the bad boys on the bus. Here's what I'm really about. Oh yeah, then Jesus comes in as a little footnote to the story. No. Make Him, along with you, the central character of, 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 of your story. And you are now in the process of writing this story together. And it can be a beautiful story. It can be a courageous story. Because maybe right now for you to write that story is going to overcome a lot of obstacles. There's a lot of junk going on in your life. And now it's going to be a story about a courageous person who in Christ Jesus filled with His Spirit, overcame those obstacles. Let Him in to be the central, the central character in your story and let him begin to write a beautiful poem, a beautiful novel, the story of your life. Praise God. Put on the new script. Put off the old uh, old script. See it, live it, think it, dream it. I have two questions I want to ask and I want everyone to close their eyes and pray here as we're closing. Two questions. The first question is simply to anybody here who's never made the concrete decision to surrender their life to Jesus Christ. You've never invited him in to be the script writer of the story that is your life. You've always been writing your own story. The way you begin a relationship with him and the way you get saved is by simply saying, Lord, I need you in my life. And so I'd like to give everyone here a chance to do that. If you're here and you've never accepted the Lord uh, as your Savior and committed your life to Him, would you raise your hand? And I'm just going to pray for you from up here. We'll join with you a prayer together. Raise it nice and high so I can see it. Anybody here? This is the day that you say, Lord, I need... Thank you back there. Praise the Lord. Over here, amen. Amen. Over there, praise God. And you're saying, I need you, Lord. I'm, I'm tired of writing my own script, doing my own story. I want you to be the central character of my story. He's the lover of your souls. Raise your hand. In the the middle here, ma'am, praise God. The Lord is now clapping and rejoicing over you. And the Lord's clapping and rejoicing over you. And the Lord's clapping and rejoicing over you. Anybody else? In the back there. Wonderful, wonderful. In the back over there, up here. Praise the Lord. This This is just where it's at. He wants to write the story of your life. Doesn't matter how bad it's been in the past. It's new today today is the day of salvation the bible says okay those who raised your hand and maybe you raised it and i I didn't see it that that's fine the lord saw it or maybe you didn't raise your hand but now you've decided you want to pray this i want you to pray this prayer with me we'll join with you as a source of support as you're closing your eyes picture jesus right in front of you if you can maybe that's a little hard to do at first but this is about hope, believing in Him substantially. Or at least hear Him say these words, whether you can see Him or not. He's saying this to you who raise your hand or others who want to commit their life to, to Christ. I've waited so long for this moment. I died that this might happen. And I, I now want to start a relationship with you that's going to be so intimate and so beautiful. There'll be ups, there'll be downs. But I'm always going to be there. And now you pray this prayer and say it out loud and say it to the Lord. Try to picture Him if you can and we'll all join with you here. Lord Jesus, I love You and I thank You for loving me. You're my Creator. You're the author of my life. But I confess that I've been trying to write my own story. I now acknowledge that I'm a sinner in need of your grace. So I ask you, Lord, forgive me and come and live inside of me. And you write the story that you want to write with my life. I surrender everything over to you. Amen. I have a Amen. I praise God. Amen. All the angels in heaven rejoice. Amen. Now, I have a, I'd like you to close your eyes again and, and just let the Lord deal with this here for, for, for one more minute. What area of your life reflects the fact that you're living out someone else's script? What are some lines that you've been given that God now says, get rid of them? Things that you've been acting as though they're true. What, maybe you can even right now think of the time when you inherited them. Maybe you, you, you were the one on the bus that I was taunting. I'm sorry about that. But it's time now to locate the lies and the movies that you run, the stories that you tell yourself about those lies. And just get a picture of that. Maybe one lie right now. And I want you to hear the Lord say, and if you can't see the Lord say, it's time to let that go. I'm so sorry that you inherited that lie, that wound, that scar. But I'm here to heal it. And I'm here to give you a new story. Hear the Lord say, that was not true. That was not true. This is what is true. I died for you that you might be holy and blameless and spotless and full of my love and full of my life and full of my joy. Hear Him say it to you. And walking with confidence and walking in peace in the middle of a hurricane, that's that's what's true about you and receive the Lord's story right here and right now. Heavenly Father, I pray, Lord God, that as we're just dwelling on this, that You would right now and then throughout the week reveal these stories in our minds that are not true, Lord God. And help us receive your new script, Father. I pray, God, that that right now and then throughout the, the week, Lord God, and throughout the rest of our life, Lord, that you'd be drawing us into the movies, the soundtracks that you want to run between our ears, Lord. We surrender our minds over to you, and we ask that you help us take every thought, every picture, every word captive to Jesus Christ. Help us to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Lord, help us to dare get a vision of who we are in you. And not limited by the old scripts. Help us to see the beautiful life that we can have. The heroic life we can have, Lord. The courageous, godly, righteous, kingdom-building life that we can have. Right now, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, I've got three assignments here. I'm a teacher. I've got three assignments. Assignment number one. If you've surrendered your heart to the Lord this morning or if you're interested in finding out more about the Lord this morning, I encourage you in the back of the auditorium, there's a desk in the middle, and there's some people back there, and uh, I want to ask you to stop for one minute and pick up some information. We want to walk with you as much as possible to develop your walk with God and and help you flower to become the disciple He knows you can be. Number two, I want to encourage all of us this week, here's your assignment, pastors giving an assignment, Every day, run at least a few, maybe a few hundred movies of who God wants you to be. And, and don't compromise it. Don't try to be realistic here. Because you're defining realistic according to the old script. Dare to see yourself uh, walking in the fullness of what God says about you. Practice that as part of your prayer meditation. Number three, if you're here this morning and you want to have prayer for any need in your life, Uh, As we're dismissed, the prayer team will come forward, and I encourage you to come up here if you want to spend some time praying up here on your own. That's fine. If you want to enter into prayer with them, that's fine as well. Greet one another as you're out of here. Let's show the love of Christ to one another. We love you. God is good all the time. All the time, God is good. I can't believe it. Hallelujah. See you next week.